Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. This week in Arsenal, the Gunners beat PSV 4-0 in their return to the Champions League after six years, and then they promptly lose the lead twice to Spurs in a very disappointing home draw against, uh, or in the North London Derby. So um, we're going to talk about that. This is This Week in Arsenal, episode 29. Uh, it is September 25th, 2023. I'm here. I'm Sash. Or Sorry. Jesus Christ, it's just that kind of day. I'm Sham. He's Sash. Um, I'm Sham. You can follow me at Shamsdale. He's Sash. You can follow him at LT Arsenal. Um, yeah, really disappointing day. And, um, you know, we've got a lot to talk about, a lot to break down. But just before we do that, Sash, how are you? How are you feeling? Not so good, to be honest, because yesterday was Sunday. And when Arsenal have a bad result on Sunday, the Monday gets ruined and the Tuesday gets ruined and the Wednesday gets ruined. All yeah. the way until Friday. So, yeah, dreading the week ahead. Have to get through these four days uh, until we play um, in the weekend and hopefully turn things around. So, there are certain games where I'm like, fine, it can happen as a one-off, but not London Derby at home, especially with the way some of these Spurs fans were chatting shit before the game. We have to win that one. And to throw it away in the way that we did, <clears throat> it still leaves a very bitter taste uh, in the mouth. But... I'm looking forward uh, to get my thoughts out on this podcast, vent out my feelings, and yeah. yeah, hopefully I can go into tomorrow with a fresher mind. Yeah, yeah, and um, we'll yeah again we'll talk about how just how disappointing that was on multiple fronts, and you know here to do that with us is a very illustrious guest, as you guys know we like to have on the pod. Um, you know, you know him, you love him. Uh, he is an Arsenal fan. He's an entertainer. He is a social media influencer. He is one of the main people who got me through the Unai Emery period <laughs> at Arsenal. Uh, the one, the only Chitty, who you can follow on Twitter or X, if you call it that, at Chitty AFC. Chitty, how are you doing, man? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Uh, a lot better than yesterday, I feel. Um, yeah. But yeah, like I, I had to have time to get that out of my system. But at least I'm, I'm I'm doing it right now. I I'm looking forward to discussing the game and everything. But if you, as I said, if you just if you interviewed me yesterday, I would have been in a worse mood completely. So um, I wouldn't have been able to to break this down completely. So um, yeah. I'm looking forward to talking about this game. Yeah, no, I uh, I get that entirely. I was I I've been trying to do like. Uh like winners and losers like videos I put out. And after that game, I was like, I'm just going to go sit in my car. And, you know, I, my, my fiance took me like shopping for a wedding that we're going to. And I was just sitting in the corner of this shop, just sulking. Um, <laughs> she had to like take me to a coffee shop to cheer me up. Yeah, it was, it was tough. Um, it was, it was a really tough game. And, um, you know, I think we just, 
we are starting to look like maybe we're putting it together, especially after we absolutely, you know, killed PSV. And uh, I personally was entering the Spurs match kind of thinking to myself, we've been playing low blocks for a month and a half now. And then a team actually tried to play us and we, we punished them for it. Spurs came out and said that they were going to try play us. And then we, we didn't punish them for that. So um, yeah, it's, it, it's, uh, it's immensely disappointing. Yeah, I mean, I cannot like wait to get some of the, some of my thoughts off my chest after what happened yesterday. So yeah. on that note, I think we should <clears throat> deep dive straight away into the game. And to be honest, let's first talk about the first 25 to 30 minutes. Uh, it was not vintage from Arsenal, but I thought I thought we pressed really well and we forced Spurs into a few errors. <clears throat> I think we could have easily had a couple of goals. Obviously, Eddie should have probably squared the ball, but he shot and missed. And then you had the chance, of course, with Gabriel, uh, Jesus, um, who should have taken it after he dispossessed the defender. But firstly, Chidi, I want to get your thoughts on how the first 30 minutes went, in your opinion. Do you think we should have been 3-0 up, even though like we didn't probably play amazingly well? Or do you think that we were not good and it just deserved to be 1-0? Like, How do you see it? No, what I felt from the first the first half an hour, it, it reminded me a lot of the United game. Like, you know how they had a lot of possession, but in their own half. And yeah. we were very comfortable with them having the ball there. And we know we could... Our press, I thought, was very good. Like, we, we pressed at the right times. We pinched the ball in good areas. And we, like, turned it over and attacked quickly. And I feel like the game plan was there. And we were starting to get joy especially with Saka down the right-hand side. He was really having a great game in the first half, terrorising Udogi and, yeah, um, driving into space, creating chances. And I feel like we really should have capitalised in that period. And, of course, we got the goal. Um, we got the goal from the deflection, but it was good play all around with the overlap. You saw Saka had a space for once to actually cut in and shoot, and it was really nice. And I think from there, we had them rattled. We had them where we wanted them. And I feel like we should have really pressed home the advantage like the judges chances he said is just unacceptable to miss at this in on this in this sort of game you know like the margins are so tight because you know spurs have quality like let's not lie they have attacking quality and they can punish you like just like that and that's what happened in the end but you you have to take advantage of when you're on top in these sort of games because you know how momentum takes such a big part especially in a derby like that so yeah we played well but we should have put the game to bed Yep. Yeah. No, absolutely. I could not agree more, especially on the point about Gabriel Jesus yesterday, a player with that kind of experience. Like he has to be finishing that, you know, and we'll obviously discuss like the striker situation uh, further on in the pod. Uh, but sometimes I think that's the reason why Man City were happy to let him go or at least OK with letting him go, because even when they had their key strikers injured, Gabriel Jesus wasn't a guaranteed starter. Sometimes they just play a false nine there. And I think we can all agree that he's probably our best striker, definitely. And we would all play him down the middle. But in big matches, in certain big situations, even last season, we saw it against Southampton at home. He was snapping at shots. You know, he was lacking that composure that you want uh, from a striker. So I think this is something that he has to work on. Or if he doesn't work on, obviously, I think... We're already looking to buy new strikers. So if he doesn't like fix up, I think even his place might be under threat the way like Arteta has been ruthless over the years with certain players. So 
obviously has to fix up. But Sham, how did you see it? Do you think it was simply a case of us not being decisive? Or do you think in general our play was not good and we it should have just been one nil? I mean, I think it was a combination of things. I you know, I think the the smaller causes were, you know, it was our third game in a week. A lot of these guys haven't played the Champions League. And, you know, you could make the fatigue argument. I don't think that's the crux of what I'm gonna say personally. Um and I think maybe some of these guys have gone a little complacent after Spurs have been less of a challenge than they used to be. I think the main reason for what happened yesterday is that Arteta got the lineup wrong. I, you know, I, um, yeah, you know, Jesus had some moments where he really should have done better and it's his lack of, you know, clinicality is becoming an issue, but he wasn't even playing striker yesterday. He was on the left wing. And, you know, I think for me personally, you know, in big games, in games against your most hated rivals, you put your best players in their best positions. And I had a really big problem with shoehorning Jesus onto the left wing to put Eddie Nketiah in the middle. And a lot of people have have gone after Nketiah, and I, I, I don't want to do that necessarily. I just don't think Nketiah was the right profile to play in terms of the game plan that we wanted to have here. Uh, he's not a terrific presser. I, you know, I still think back to a couple goals he scored against Chelsea pressing, but overall he's not especially effective at it. Jesus is the guy that you want pressing from the middle, right? And even, even the chance that he missed, the it, it came from pressing the center back and winning the ball off of them and having a clear shot basically in the middle of zone 14, give or take, right? So to have him play on the left wing, kind of shunt him out to, you know, to the periphery of the field and not have him in the middle, holding the ball up, combining, playing other people in, it it was really disappointing. I think we I think we should have gone with obviously Saka right wing and then Jesus in the middle. And I think we should have gone with Reese Nelson at left mm-hmm. wing, someone who can really stretch Spurs and take advantage of all that space that Pedro Porro likes to leave in behind. Um, so yeah, it just it it just felt like Arteta Galaxy brained it a little bit. And um I, I think that kind of caused some cascading effects after that. I don't think our pressing was great after the first 30 minutes. In in the first 30, obviously, I think we gave them a lot of trouble and we won the ball off of them in some in some pretty good situations. Um yeah, I I think we looked after an initial period of like, you know, five to seven minutes where Spurs were, you know, really trying to dominate the match. I think we grew into it. Saka obviously had the shot that, you know, got us in front. And I think from then on, after, you know, Spurs forced Raya into a pretty spectacular save, I think the momentum was pretty much with them for the rest of the match. Yeah, I, I cannot agree more. And on your point of Reese Nelson, I would have probably played Nelson too. Uh, because I think Arsenal, we don't have a player like Martinelli, you know, someone who has that kind of explosive pace and can actually stretch defences. And I think this has an effect on everyone else because Spurs are able to play a bit higher because we are lacking that threat in behind. And it's also affecting a guy like Fabio Vieira who needs movement to actually thrive and play that final ball that we all know uh, he's capable of playing. So I think Martinelli was such a big miss. And I can even understand Arteta trying to play Gabriel Jesus there because he's still a wide forward. He can play there. But I, I don't get this thing of sticking with Eddie. I thought he had a really poor game last week at Goodison Park. 
where it was not just what he was doing on the ball, but there were even certain situations. I don't know if you guys remember where balls were being played into the box and he was not that. And in a couple of situations, if you're the center forward of a team like Arsenal and the whole system is built around you and you're not doing much in terms of helping others, in terms of holding it up, you have to be there in the box and finish when you get that one chance, you know. And I always say this because in at Man City, they built their whole system around Erling Haaland, right? And you can build your whole system if it's a player like Erling Haaland. But to do it for Eddie Nketiah, like I really like the guy, nothing against him. I've actually backed him a lot in times where no one backed him. But I don't, I don't get this level of faith in him personally. And I think it did cost us yesterday. And I cannot, for the life of me, understand why we didn't play Gabriel Jesus up front even for a minute yesterday. It was, I just could not get my head around it. But having said that, I think we should still control the game better. And as Chidi mentioned, as soon as we went ahead with Saka, Stroke, Romero, we ceded control and allowed Spurs back into the match. And that is something that we seem to do quite often. Somehow after we go ahead, we switch off. It happened even for the second goal. But that 10 to 15 minute spell in the first half, you could tell that a goal was coming. You know, it was just wave after wave of Spurs attack. And it was not even like they were playing like some prime Barcelona where they were just so good. It was us literally just giving the ball away, clearing the ball under no pressure. And the warning signs were there when David Raya was forced into a really good stop to be far to him. But even after that, we did not fix up and Spurs uh, were level through Heung-Min Son. But I want to talk a little bit about the lead-up to the goal. So you could see before when Raya made the save that Zinchenko was a bit out of position. And I know Arsenal fans like Zinchenko a lot. I do as well. Like on the ball, he's so good. But man, this guy off the ball, time and again, teams keep targeting his side. And this was something I noticed throughout that 15 minutes. Kulusevsky would come in, Pedro Porro would overlap, Zinchenko would be caught a bit flat-footed, and he's just not a defender, you know? And I think in big games, this is something that could really cost us. And ultimately, though, what ended up happening was we conceded from the other side, and it was Saka, who I think should have done a lot better defensively. James Madison picking up the ball, cutting it back um, for uh, Son. And you know what Son does in North London derbies? He always finishes against us. He loves the goal against us. And immediately it's 1-1. Uh, so, Chidi, I want to get your thoughts on this. Like, why the hell did we seed control in the way that we did for 15 minutes? Like, I get it. This is Premier League football. And all teams are good teams. And all teams can cause you problems. But it seems to be us that actually caused ourselves the most problems rather than Spurs doing something exceptional, don't you think? Yeah, honestly, I think that game was probably one of the worst games we've had like in possession like in the last year and a half probably like since we've become good at football like th this is like been one of the worst i've ever seen us on the ball like i don't know what what's happened i mean at the emirates as well you don't expect a team to come to the emirates and have more possession than us i know brighton did us last year um but that was embarrassing from our part but for Spurs to come, I mean, the first half, I think Spurs Spurs had like almost, it was like 55% plus possession, I think it was. I think overall, they still had more possession overall. And it was, yeah, like it's really shocking when a team can come 
And yes, I know it was like a bit of the game plan part of it. We were letting them have the ball, but like in the, the second half, the second part of this first half, they always started to come into a, into our half. They were literally um, building possession, building um, pressure, and it seemed like they were very comfortable at the Emirates. And you can see the crowd was getting very agitated because we couldn't hold the ball. We I don't know what why we couldn't yeah just keep possession, get up the field. I just feel like every a lot of players were just really off it. Like I think Erdegaard was terrible, just absolutely terrible yesterday. I think that was. I think you tweeted it was his worst game ever. I think I agree. Like for Arsenal, I've not seen him play that bad like ever. I mean, on the, in the first half, he had thirty six percent pass accuracy. Like what is that? Like you can't do anything with a player in the midfield having completed less passes than their like missing more passes than they're completing. Like that's just terrible as. Someone who's supposed to be our controller, because he is a controller, especially in like the second phase. He's a sort of guy you you give it to. You're like, okay, let's get our foot on the ball. Let's control the game. And if he's, one, not getting on the ball, and two, giving it away every time he gets it, then of course we can't keep the ball. Um, I feel like the whole midfield just wasn't, was, wasn't good enough. I think even Rice, when he was on, I don't think it was his best game. I don't think he was very influential as he could have been. And Vieira was just, not a factor really to be honest so i think when all three of your midfielders are just not on their game you have a game like where you where you have where basuma was getting confident we saw sar was getting confident in the midfield and they started pushing up and when when you have that much pressure on you you, you are going to concede especially when you do have certain players in positions where they're not the best defenders i mean i think our fullbacks are questionable defensively i think white is a good defender but 1v1s, you can see that he's not the best in, in those situations. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's, he's a, I mean, he's a centre-back. Like, he's a centre-back playing at right-back. Yes, he's a, he's very good in possession and in most facets of being a right-back, but you can see he, he can be got at by fast players. And, like, I'm not saying the goal was on him. On him. It was it was Saka's fault that, I mean, the first part of the goal where he spun around him. But I feel like just overall... Like him and him and Zinchenko aren't the best defensive pairing as fullbacks, which means that down the wings, especially when you're up against the good teams that have great wingers, like do are we even how are we going to deal with someone like Doku when he comes to the Emirates? Like <laughs> who is who is going to take him? I'm sorry, but we have to be very concerned because um, neither of our fullbacks seem to be able to look at their man one v one and being like, I'm going to lock you up today. I just don't see it from either of them right now. Yeah. So yeah. 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 No, that's I think that's a really good point you make on Odegaard. And he's the guy you want, you know, to set the tempo of the game, calm things down a bit. And I think throughout this season, like he's he was really good against PSV, but he seems to be shooting more this season, which I'm not against. But he seems to, I don't know, have lost a bit of what he used to do before, which was calm things down, give us a sense of control. And I don't know if that's because like the midfield around him has changed because we had Shaka and Party last season. And I think the midfield was, I think, honestly, there was a sense of familiarity because they've been at the club for a while. They're experienced players. They play well together. We've gone from that to bringing in Declan Rice. To be fair to him, he's been phenomenal. And we've also brought in Fabio Vieira, who uh, was there last season, but he's hardly even played and in that left central midfield role. So they expect him to come and play like what... Shaka does is quite unfair. So I think all of this change has had an effect on Odegaard as well. And 
in turn our ability to retain the ball and on your point about the fullbacks could not agree more and i said it we should play tomiyasu i think in games like this especially when you see that spurs have a left footer like kulusevski who comes on the inside and poro goes on the outside having someone like tomiyasu who's you can say he's right footed and left footed and you saw what he did to sala last season at the emirates like basically nullified him through the game i think this was the right game to play someone like tomiyasu but i think arteta is looking at our midfield issues and he's like we we seem to be struggling here so maybe zinchenko can ease the burden so i think there's two sides to that but i think i agree with you i think in a big game we need some solidity man or we're going to get cooked so yeah we need to be quite not conservative but a little bit more sensible i think in terms of how we approach the game but sham how did you see it like what was the reason we lost control like it was not that we controlled the game in the first 30 minutes but i think in the first 30 minutes there was at least a good balance to the game where we were pressing well spurs were not really threatening and it was us who had all of the promising actions so i want to ask you what went wrong for us in that last 15 minutes of the first half i think there really is something to kind of the discussion about zinchenko in the midfield right where I think it's about like the relationships and the balance, right? I, I don't think you can play a left side of Zinchenko and Vieira and, you know, Jesus at left wing for the first time in the season, right? There's just not, there's not enough familiarity there. There's not enough defensive solidity there, especially with Vieira and Zinchenko, right? That, that worries me a little bit. I would rather... And you and I have had this this this, uh, this discussion before. I would rather play Vieira with Tomiyasu behind him, yeah. right? Um, someone who, for my money, I think he's solid at the inverted left back role. Um, he's not, you know, an amazingly incisive passer, but I think he's decent enough at it. But he would have been able to invert when we were in possession. He would have been able to, I think, pretty much nullify Kulusevski. Uh, like you said, he's you know he's dealt with better wingers, I think, than 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 Kulu, and yeah, I I just think kind of the balance was off, and Odegaard was having you know a putrid game. I think he finished with like sixty percent passing. Uh, Rice seemed a little bit off, and now you know I think we're understanding why because he came off with a back injury at halftime, uh, so clearly he he wasn't at a hundred percent. So you were asking the midfield to do. a lot of things that they just weren't really set up to do. And so that's that's why for me personally I think I would have rather had Havertz on the pitch. And I know that mm-hmm. might be something we talk about later on, but I think I would have had Havertz on the pitch just to be someone who can win the duels and just to be someone who you can view as an outlet because I think Spurs are also um crowding us a little bit. I don't think they were necessarily pressing us, but they they definitely were um Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? They they were just making like, you know, good mid block to cut off our passing and and you know, prevent us from playing out. So I think it would have been nice for Raya to have Havertz as you know, just a target man. And it worked really well against PSV. I think that might have been something to consider here. So, yeah, it just yeah, it just felt really fragile. I think the team composition was just a little bit weird, uh, a little bit soft and um defensively that is. And I think, you know, mentally speaking i just think a lot of guys had an off day so yep yep no could not agree more um i think personally the point you made about um viera having to play with tomiyasu is a good one because i think arteta realized that as well and realized that we needed 
some of physicality for the second half and you already subbed off Declan Rice and I think having Jorginho, Vieira, Zinchenko that would have been like prime Wenger yeah. ball and you just got run it's over a, and lost. It's a paper midfield at that point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Up against Bissouma, Saar. Oh um, my God. Like, <laughs> you, you're, you're asking to get just destroyed at that point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, actually, Havertz... Sorry. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, as soon as Rice came off, I think I think that was kind of it for us in terms of being able to win the match. You know, we just lost all of that defensive solidity and reliability as soon as he left. No, I, I agree with that. Uh, I know we brought Havertz on to make things more solid. But I would also like to say that the way we lost the game was our own undoing. It was not like Spurs exploited our midfield's lack of athleticism and carved us apart. It was obviously the second half. Saka, it's a clear penalty. He takes the penalty, scores, does the dart celebration. We're all jumping in joy. And a few seconds later, I was just celebrating the goal and tweeting, saying, like, Saka's doing the Madison celebration. The next second, I'm seeing that uh, Madison is running and it's just Saliba and Son is making this run. I'm like, shit, this is definitely a goal. And obviously, it ended up being a goal. It sort of reminded me of that Fabregas goal that was scored against Spurs in 2009, it was. I, I think Van Persie scores the first goal and I'm also, I'm celebrating. And then next second, I'm seeing the cameras, like Fabregas 1v1 against, I think it was Jurelio Gomez, the Spurs keeper back then. Yeah. And yeah. he slotted home. And I was like, wait, what the hell just happened? Um, of course, in Fabregas's case, he dribbled through the entire team. But in our case, it was Jorginho. And look, you can speak about the lack of athleticism and things like this. And I would expect Jorginho to get run over by Bissouma and Saar. But I think he failed at the one thing he's really good at, which is keeping things calm on the ball. And for a senior player like that to give the ball away, I think that just sums up Arsenal at the Emirates. Um, so, Sham, I would first like to get your thoughts on this. What the hell is wrong with us at the Emirates? Like, I cannot get my head around it. Like, I was doing some research on some stats, and this is not the exact stat, but it's something close to this. I think in the last 20 away games, we have like 14 clean sheets. And you saw the way we went to Palace and Everton, the way we managed the game. It was like beautiful. We didn't get those crowds up. We were just playing with a calmness and tranquility about us. But I don't know, the Emirates, like, it's almost like we forget to do the basics of football. And I cannot get my head around why. Like, I had an inkling initially that maybe Ramsdale, he's not giving those around him composure because he's so good away from home, but at home, he seems to make some mistakes. <clears throat> but no, even David Raya struggled yesterday. So it's a bigger issue. And I'm not able to point out what the issue is, Sham. Like, what is it? I don't know. I, I honestly I honestly wish I could, um, you know, come up with an educated guess as to why. But... I I I'm not at the Emirates regularly enough. Well, honestly, I haven't been at the Emirates in years, but you know, I'm not there, so I don't know what exactly the atmosphere is like in person. So I can't really speak to that. I I just think a lot of players might be putting themselves under pressure when they're playing at home. That's the best guess I can I can formulate as to why, right? When you are in that stadium with sixty thousand people and you know that this is a season in which they're expecting something out of you, right? We spent all summer talking about 
uh, we should make a deep run in the Champions League. And if we if we don't at least push City until the dying stages of the Premier League, then it's a failure of a season, right? And I think maybe there are similar expectations internally, or at least players know the pressure that's on them to perform. And maybe that plays with people's minds. I think with Jorginho yesterday, I think it just comes down to the fact that he came in cold. That was, I think those were her, his first minutes of, of the campaign. So he steps he on the seat. Before. He's played before a couple of times. He came on against PSV. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah. And against right. Palace and against Fulham when we conceded after he came on. Oh, and yeah. He also right. came on um, in another match uh, well, to help us see the game out. So he's okay, well, then never mind. Cold. Yeah, so it's not so he's not no, cold. He's, Never mind that. No, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, then then I I don't know. It's just it's just the it's the weirdest thing, and um, it, it's it's really disappointing because I think there's something to be said about the fact that we may have regressed slightly in terms of our attacking ability. You know, there's um, there's some stats floating around online today about. Um, us being pretty pretty average in the Premier League in terms of our chances created and our our XG and our chances missed and stuff like that. But in terms of expected goals allowed, in terms of our defense, you know, I I don't know what it's like after this weekend, but coming into this weekend, we are right up there, right behind Manchester City. Um, so I think we've done a good job of solidifying at the back and being really difficult to break down. But then we go and continuously shoot ourselves in the foot over and over this season. I mean, we're what six games in to the Premier League season, and I can already think of like three or four like massive errors that have led to goal, which is just yeah. unacceptable at this stage. So, yeah, I, I don't know what the issue is, I don't know how Arteta solves the problem, but something needs to be done about the fact that. Players just are, are making catastrophic decisions in the worst possible circumstances. So, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting interesting to see if that's something that we get better at as the season goes on. Yeah, no, I mean, I I hear the point that you initially made about pressure. Personally, I I think maybe yeah, at home they play with so much emotion that they forget that they have to like apply themselves, and that could be the reason why. But what is baffling for me is under Wenger, like in his final season, we had like the second best home record after Man City. You know, we were scoring goals for fun. But away from home, we had like four wins that entire season. And I'm not saying we're like so bad at home now, like we were away from home. But something has changed. And I, I really don't know what it is because I don't think it's the atmosphere as well. Because before the Emirates atmosphere wasn't great. And now it's rocking. So ideally, it should be much better. And I also find this theme that the games we are winning at home as well, like there seems to be a bit of struggle. Like we start switching on after 75, 80 minutes and then we turn up. Like we scored a lot of like last minute goals or late second half goals to win games at home, which is fine. But that cannot be the only way you win at home either. Like barring the Wolves game on final day, I'm struggling to think of games at home where, like, oh, Arsenal are dominating. It's 40 minutes. We're 3-0 up. And we're just, like, playing incredible football. Like, there's very few games I can, I can count. And that was not the case previously. So, Chidi, what do you think is going wrong for us at home? Like, I honestly have given up. Like, I was trying my best 
to try to find some reason why but i i gave up <laughs> honestly i i couldn't tell you i really i don't know if arteta has been asked before about this issue like in an interview or anything because i thought like it should be a question because the difference is so stark like how can we be so like our defensive stats away from home are elite like really 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 good like better than man city like everyone we're like so good defensively away from home we do we're professional we do the job like one nils two nils we get the job done and mm-hmm. then at home it's just like i i, I don't I, I i can't put my finger on it it's like i think a lot of our players are quite emotional which is also a point just in general in terms of we are quite uh obviously we're a young team and there is a lot of emotional players like even some of our more senior players like i mean jesus the most emotional striker <laughs> yeah. in the Premier League. It's like, more emotional than the youngsters. That's the problem. <laughs> exactly. Like, and you can see it with his finishing, why it's so erratic, because he is just so, like, he just snatches at everything. He, like, he, he obviously has a lot of passion for the game. He wears his heart on his sleeve, but it's just, we need someone who's not going to be so, like, in their head about, like, every sort of chance, you know? And, like, even when they miss a chance, like, you see Haaland, he'll miss a chance and he'll laugh he'll laugh because you know he's gonna he's gonna get another chance he knows he's gonna score because he's so good he, he has that belief in himself whereas i feel like jesus he misses a chance and he, he's just like he's always just rattled i feel like he, he gets rattled a lot and you see it in like general players well sometimes he'll start fouling players he'll start doing other stuff which is just not needed and like then you see zinchenko as well i, I would say he's not like as emotional but like you do see he sometimes does get a bit riled up and he'll start making mistakes or start playing hero balls. Exactly. He'll start forcing passes. Like that pass is not on. Why are you trying to force that? Like that sort of yeah. thing. And I feel like these that these sort of things have just it all builds up around the team. Like there's a lot of just a lot of players are just on edge when we're playing. <laughs> and when you when you add in the Emirates sort of expectation and atmosphere and the pressure, as you said, Shams, I feel like it all builds into the fact that we're just very brittle and just like we're never comfortable at home i mean you see that like last season i think we had it was either three or four home clean sheets it was like one of the worst tallies in the league which is like crazy how are we even in a title race with those sort of figures and we come into this season we've had four home games zero clean sheets so it's nothing's changed so that is quite concerning for me that nothing's really improved and on that stand like away from home we've been good again uh but at home we just yeah, I don't know. It's I, I can't put a finger on it at all, but it's very concerning. Yeah, absolutely. And to be honest, even in the game against PSV where we kept a clean sheet, like I was yeah. not happy with how we were defending in the first like 25 minutes. Like we were so open that day. And in fact, you, you mentioned initially that it would be a good question to ask Arteta. So actually one of the journalists asked Arteta about like home clean sheets being quite rare. And what Arteta was saying was he was talking to the players about the importance of keeping home clean sheets for a long time. And against PSV, he didn't say anything and they kept a clean sheet. And he himself said that he doesn't know why. Like, even the manager does not know why. And honestly, we need to find out the reason why. Like, I think we have some theories like emotion and pressure and theories like this. But, you know, I I cannot put my finger around it because... If our home form is fixed, then honestly, I think we, we would be right back like in the title race. Like both the games we have dropped this season have been at home, two-two draws. 
us shooting ourselves on the in the foot in games we should have won. So that's what's like really pissing me off, you know. And, and you see, you see City as well. City give teams no chance at the Etihad. Zero, oh, no, no. zero chance. I think mm-hmm. I can't remember what the figures are, but I think in the last however many games, like at home, they've drawn one and won the rest. Like literally efficiency, a lot of clean sheets in there as well. And it's just like if we want to be at that level, teams should come to the Emirates and think we're gonna get beat here. Let's just keep the score down. But teams come to the Emirates. Even the worst team can come to the Emirates. Be like, you know, we can get an early goal here. We can get something, and that's what's that's what's happening. Even the first game of the season against Forest, like we should have battered them. Like we we're putting them away first half, kept them in the game two 0 They got a goal back, and then they had their tails up. They could have got a draw at the end. I remember Gibbs White had a shot that went over the bar, but and a better shot on target, and we're in trouble. So it's stuff like that. Even the game that we we won. That that sort of gives uh, confidence to other teams that they can come to the Emirates and look. Even we're getting battered, just stay in it, keep your head in the game, and we can get something. Whereas, which that should not be the case at all. So, I think our our players need to sort it out. I, I'm I'm blaming the players like almost 100. percent Like I don't think it's a tactical thing or anything like that, really. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, no. Your point about Man City, like I used to hate watch Man City a lot last season. Uh, at the Etihad and there were a few games at the start of the season like I remember Brentford going there and causing an upset but since February they've just like they give nothing away you know absolutely nothing away to the opposition and we are the exact opposite of that as you mentioned and even that game you spoke about the opening game against Forest the goals we scored as well it was just moments of brilliance it was like Martinelli getting past two three players and doing that 360 degree turn it was Saka scoring one of the goals of the season. We didn't really create chance like, oh, it's Arsenal. They're creating chance after chance. We didn't really test Forrest's keeper. Like, so that that's what annoys me a lot because the Arsenal I know at the Emirates, we'd get all these creative players in these half spaces. They'll just combine and play teams off the park. And then away from home, they'd get steamrolled. But away from home, they're not getting steamrolled. But at home, I don't know. Like... Honestly, I don't. I, yeah. I give up, and I think we just have to wait and see how it plays I think out. Also, with the creativity issue, I feel like people. I know. Yes, we face a lot of low blocks now, but mm-hmm. I feel like we faced them previous years as well, and we did a lot better against them. Like, I mean, back in in Wenger times, teams weren't coming to play football at the Emirates. Like, it's not like a new thing that we're. Oh wow, teams are just playing low blocks now. I feel like we've always faced low blocks and we're just usually so good against low blocks that that's what we want to play because we can dice through them so i feel like we're just not very inventive creatively at the moment everything seems a bit too systemic everything's a bit like you know structured and we have to play the right ball here and everything has to be perfect and there's no like there's not really much fluidity i feel like in in the positions like even like say erdegaard he's sort of very he sticks to his position in the right half space. He'll play the ball to Saka, maybe down the line. He'll maybe yeah. switch it around every now and then. But it's like, he's not like really drifting a lot or like around. We don't really have players who like free roam, which probably does make us better defensively. But like in terms of actually playing, being able to break down these teams, it, I don't think it's helping too much. Um, so I feel like, yeah, we do need to sort out how we are attacking because this season it hasn't been good enough um, yeah. completely. I I think um, in addition to us playing mostly low blocks, I think the other issue 
with how creative we have been is the elephant in the room, left, center, mid. You know, I just don't think there is. And 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 look, I I like all the players involved in this conversation, but I think the problem with left, center, mid right now is that there are no perfect options. I think with Havertz, you're looking at a guy who we bought without having a player he can actually play off of, right? Enkedia is not a backboard center forward for a guy like Havertz, who I think is a second striker, basically, to play off of, right? So instead, you have Havertz just picking up the ball in, you know, the middle third, maybe the final third, turning, passing the Martinelli, getting the ball, turning, passing the Odegaard, right? He doesn't really force the issue. He doesn't drive at attackers. So I don't understand why we don't put him in the box as soon as we're in the final third. But there's also Vieira, who you know, I think is probably a better solution against low blocks because he can carry a little bit and he has probably the best final ball on the team. My question is, why don't we play Emil Smith-Rowe at, at left center mid? Because, you know, you look you look at City and they focused, I think, on getting players who can run with the ball and carry and drive at defenses. And that really moves things around. That really forces defenders to make decisions and we don't really have any players on that left-hand side who can do that. I mean, we don't really have any players in the front five, aside from Martinelli and, and Saka, who can really do that. Jesus as well. But it's just it's just a, it's a little static. Um, so, you know, I think we need to figure out what, do, what we're doing with that left center mid. Are you, are you getting them into the box to be another body in there? Or are you, you know, giving the ball to someone who is just going to Again, force defenders to step out and come come at them and open things up for their teammates. I don't know. It just it's very, um, yeah, it's very static right now and very very still. And I think that's a big reason why we're not creating as many chances as we did last season. Absolutely. <clears throat> like I could not agree more with both your points. Like the point Chidi made about Odegaard. Like, bro, honestly, I'm sick to death of that same Odegaard Saka combination. They do the same pattern. <laughs> Come on, let's do something else. Like this, this cannot be the only way we're playing. Like there has to be something else, right? And honestly, I hear this a lot on the on on the on Twitter. Different people saying it, and I quite agree that why not play Smithrow next to Saka on that side and play Odegaard on the left, where he can do a build up because he he can control a game if you want him to do that. Because I think Saka he needs a runner. And if White is not always going to overlap, I think someone like Smith-Rowe actually overlapping makes us more dynamic. Like the good old days in 2020, you know, when Smith-Rowe first came in to the mix, it was so beautiful, honestly. Like he used to play as the 10, drift wide. You've seen that goal against West Brom that Saka scores, the quick combination and incisive play. We don't see that, you know. Right now, it's just like Odegaard, Saka, Ben White overlapping, Saka cutting in shooting, hoping it goes in. I, I think, honestly, the system is limiting so many of our players right now. And Sham made a very good point about the left eight, you know. Like, we have players who are good at one thing, but the left eight has to be good on the ball, but they also have to have an eye for goal, like Gundogan or Matthias Nunes, who City signed, who I think is going to evolve and be that player. And we could have even signed James Madison, but we didn't do that. And I don't think this should become a Kai Havertz slander session because, honestly, he he's only doing what he can do. 
And for the last two and a half to three years, he's played in the front line. He's either played as a center forward or he's played on like the right attacking midfield role under Tukel where those two wide players had a lot of license to come infield and make runs. But the way he's being asked to play under Arteta is almost like the way we use Shaka. And he is not granted Shaka. He's never been a natural eight. So I think to abuse him is not the right thing. But I think you definitely have to question the transfer strategy. Like, I think it's glaringly obvious that we needed a left eight, but we didn't do it. I don't know if things might change if Thomas Partey comes back, if he's back at six and Rice plays eight. Maybe then it might be a little similar to what we had going on for us last season. But things have to change. And on this point about us being really structured, I want to bring up the point of Eddie and Ketia. And we, brief, we briefly touched upon him at the start of the podcast. Uh, a good striker, Halen, we all love him. Like there's, there's nothing you can really hate about Eddie. He's a great guy, works really hard, amazing attitude. But Chidi, I want to get your thoughts on this. Is he the man to, I guess, be Arsenal's even second choice striker? Because you can work however hard you want in training. But at the end of the day, there's no substitute for quality. And we've seen that our best players have come under Gabriel Jesus. Even when we scored four against PSV, we looked our most fluid going forward. It was Jesus actually like bringing others into the game. And that's something Eddie is not doing. And maybe, just maybe, a big reason why we've not played well so far in the league might be down to not having Gabriel Jesus up front and instead having a striker who, I guess, needs everyone to feed him. So, do you think he might be a reason why Odegaard is not playing great? Uh, Martinelli was not playing so great. And Saka, he's not been at his best, but he still put amazing numbers because he's, of course, Bukayo Saka. But don't you think that it's affected everyone around him? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, um, I, I, I think Nketiah, even when he like, scores goals, it's like... Obviously, it's great he's scoring, but I just don't think he helps the team like much at all. I feel like, like he's not like a selfish player. I think he's trying to like you know do the things to help the team and everything, but like it just he just he is just ah oh, I don't I don't want to be like offensive, so I'm trying to like choose my words carefully. But like yeah, like I don't want to say he's like a a plague or anything like that. But you know, like he just doesn't. He's just not helpful for the team at all in terms of he's like not the best link and play. Like his last two games have been terrible. Like the Everton game and this game, like he couldn't even control the ball. Like he was literally impossible to play off. And it's like, I feel like he is, I, I just don't think we need that sort of profile at all in our team. I think it is nice to have different profiles, but it's not even like Eddie's that different to Jesus in terms of yeah. you know he's similar he's similar size he's like okay maybe he's a bit more a little more physical but like he's not like a real physical beast like an Osimhen or or a I don't know an Ivan Tony he's gonna win yeah. every ball in the yeah. air like you know he's not that different a profile so it's sort of like putting him in is just a much worse version of Jesus basically because he's not even clinical either and I feel like he's even as you said, I think you mentioned before, like previously, um, he wasn't he's not even getting on the end of chances that he should be getting on the end on. Like um, there was a ball even against Tot Tottenham where it came across, uh, it was a corner, I think, one of the corners where it it got flicked across and Eddie wasn't there for the tap in. Yeah. And you're just like, surely a natural goal scorer, which that's his whole whole USP is to be like 
you know, this fox in the box type natural goal scorer should be on the end of that. So if he's not giving you those sort of goals, then what is he giving you? Like, he's really, I feel like he's just quite redundant. And I feel like, yes, he is affecting how we play because you saw how we play when Jesus is there. At least Jesus is going to, he's going to like pluck the ball out of the sky and he's going to hand it off to Saka in good positions. He's going to give it to Erdogan in good positions. You can play a one-two off him and he's going to make it stick. Like, at least he's going to give you these sort of things on a consistent mm-hmm. basis, which Eddie and Ketia just can't do because he's just not the right level. Um, and I feel like this should be his last season at Arsenal. Um, I think we we really need to, like, certain players do have to go this summer um, yeah. because I feel like we have to look at it as we're trying to reach Man City. Would this mm-hmm. player get in the squad for Man City? At least, like, is he at the right level to play for Man City? Would Pep Guardiola bring him on in the game? Like, no chance. He's not making the bench. And, like, I'm not saying, like, every player has to, like, be better than a City player, but they should at least be on the, on the level, that sort of profile where a Pep Guardiola would consider bringing, bringing him on in the game, that sort of thing. And if you're not on that level, then you need to leave. That's hmm. just how it is. Yep. Yeah, no, I could not agree more. And honestly, we have to be ruthless. Like, I love Eddie and Ketia personally. Like, during times where Lacazette and Aubameyang was thinking it up, I was like, Eddie should have been given more chances. And he did show, I think, certain glimpses, like the game against Chelsea when he came and scored that brace. And he's had a few really good moments, even last season against United at home. He scored away at Brighton, home to West Ham when he came back. So he's impacted a few games. But I also remember last season, we went three games without a win. Um, I think it was away to Everton, home to Brentford and home to City, those three games uh, in February earlier this year. And in those three matches, Eddie was really bad. Like against City at home as well, he missed chances he should have taken. And yeah, I mean, I come back to my point again. Like if you want to build your team around a player, that player better be a top player. It better be someone like, I don't know, Osimhen or Mbappe, someone of that level um, who can actually like take chances. And because if you're sacrificing few players in your team, there has to be like an added benefit. And personally with Eddie, we're not getting that right now. And it remains a mystery to me how he saw 90 minutes yesterday. Like, how? Like, it was probably the most obvious substitution ever. And I don't get it. I don't know why. Is Arteta doing it? Because, I don't know, he wants to drop Eddie next week and he's just trying to be nice to him. I don't get the thing. And I think personally, and I know like people might not agree with this, I think Arteta's playing Eddie to try and raise his value a little bit. And... I don't think that can be at the cost of points, though. So I don't agree with that as well. Like, so some people yeah. did say that it might have been a fitness thing with Jesus that he couldn't play ninety minutes at all. Then you put Havertz up top and play Smith. Yeah, yeah. Like, come on! Like it was, it was so obvious, and I, I, that for me was the biggest regret from yesterday. We didn't have one minute where we had a center forward who was facilitating play. You know, it was just Eddie up front and. I'm not going to hate on him because, like, I mean, he's a player who had a bad game. But I'm just saying, like, it was a bad performance. And, yeah, I was super pissed with that. But, Sham, how do you see it? I know that you are also a big fan of Eddie, like I am. But I think we have to call a spade a spade, you know. And I think Chidi was right. Like, we have to be ruthless. Like, he wouldn't get into City's bench. So, what is he doing starting for Arsenal and playing 90 minutes in a derby? I feel bad for him because um, Arteta... Arteta screwed him over a little bit by playing him 
as a center forward. You know, when that lineup came out, I thought it was going to be Jesus center forward and Eddie mm-hmm. at left wing. And it, at least for, you know, at least at that point, I was saying they're like, okay, that's not what I would have done, but it makes sense. Eddie's a guy who can run the channels and, you know, he's a guy who you play in, right? I, I think there's, there's three kinds of center forwards. There are guys who you can play in, there are guys who play others in, and then there are guys who do both, right? Um, you know, Eddie, Eddie's the first kind. 21, mm-hmm. 22 Lacazette is the second kind, right? Um, and then I think, you know, Jesus and Tony, you know, those are, those are your third kind. So, um, yeah, I thought Eddie was just going to be trying to run in behind Pedro Porro and taking advantage of that and hopefully putting the ball in the back of the net. And so for him to be playing that facilitator role, it's not his game at all. And, you know, his, his link up play has improved over the last few years, certainly, but it's not at this elite level where you can throw him into a match against Spurs and he's, you know, dealing with Romero and Van de Ven and expected to, you know, get the ball, turn, receive, or turn, pass, and, you know, hold it up and lay it up. You know, he can't do it at that level. So I like Eddie a lot. I think he's a really good player. I think he's very underrated by a lot of the fan base. But there's a reason why we keep getting linked to, you know, Ivan Tony and Evan Ferguson and Victor Osman. And it's because... At the end of the day, no matter how hard you work, your talent always gives you a ceiling. And Eddie simply is not, you know, a a championship winning level striker. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't I don't say that to put him down. That's just kind of what it is. And there's, you know, hundreds of forwards I feel that way about, right? Uh, I'm not even sure Ivan Tony is a championship level striker. He might be, he might not be, but yeah, mm-hmm. there's a reason why next, or there, there's a reason why the next day after Spurs, we're getting these links to Tony and people are saying, maybe we offer in Keddy in exchange for um, in exchange for Tony. And we throw a few, few million pounds in as well as sweeten the deal. So it's, it's clearly a deficiency that we're looking at. And that's why I'm mad at Arteta because he sees these guys every day in training and he still thought, that he could get away with doing this. So yeah, yeah I, I I think Eddie is a very good player and I think he would absolutely thrive at a team like Brighton at a team like Brentford. But I think for us, as we're trying to, you know, reach that S tier of European football, right. Be up there with city and Real Madrid and, and Bayern. I think his days are numbered and um, you know, Unless he has the season of a lifetime and we're talking like 30 goals and assists, I I think by this time next season, he is no longer on the roster. And I honestly, I think that would be best for for both parties at that yeah. point in time. Yeah, no, absolute facts. Like, honestly, I think you made a really good point. We don't know if Ivan Tony is a championship winning forward, but at least we think that there might be a chance he might be that player. But with Eddie, you know, for sure that he's not that player, you know. And I think that's a good starting point as well because any player who's in that squad who's making the bench or the starting eleven, they have to be at that level, you know? And for me, that's why I'm a bit frustrated as well with Arteta a little bit. And I'm going to come now to the point about the transfer window so far because I think when you look at this Arsenal side, there are some glaringly obvious weaknesses. From my point of view, I think... 
we still maybe lack a left back who can defend. Of course, Timber got injured, so maybe I don't want to cook the club too much for that because it was just unfortunate. But now coming to the midfield, as we already discussed, we need that number eight, you know, someone who can pick the ball in the first phase, progress the ball and help us control the match better. Something what Xhaka was doing. Now, I know Xhaka was not everyone's cup of tea. I personally love Granit Xhaka and I think we should have kept him for another season. But okay, no point crying over spoiled milk. We have moved him on. But now we should at least replace him because he was such a valuable player to our team last season. And I think Arteta has just looked at it on paper and thought, ah, Shaka scored XYZ number of goals getting into the box from that, that situation. Kai Havertz can also do the same thing because he's obviously a more natural forward. But I think what Arteta has ignored is the work Shaka did apart from the goal scoring. And I think it's a total myth to say that Shaka was just poaching in the box. I think he was doing a lot more than that last season. And I think that is one area that Arsenal did not address. Secondly, we hear Arteta speaking about the lack of box efficiency. Oh, we should have been efficient in the boxes. But Mikel, you're the one who's signing these players who constantly underperform their XG. And you're expecting miracles that we score five, six goals and are efficient. Like you've signed these players. And I'm not blaming him because I think Gabriel Jesus is a good player. Kai Havertz is a good player. But again, if we want to go to that next level... And Arteta is saying that, no, we need efficient players. How about you sign some efficient players in those boxes? Because the reason Man City had gone from a team that was struggling at the start of the season to treble winners is because they moved on from players that were inefficient, you know, and that includes even Zinchenko and Gabriel Jesus. I'm going to get cooked by Arsenal fans. They're going to tell me, oh, they're so important. They got us 84 points. Well done. But we're competing against Manchester City. Zinchenko in big games used to be the liability for City in the back four. When you looked at City's defence, you thought we're going to get at Zinchenko. In some of these big moments, Gabriel Jesus and even Raheem Sterling for that matter, they wouldn't put chances away. But now they have Erling Haaland, you know, and it doesn't matter who's playing around him. Grealish could have stinkers. He could score five goals in a season. But it doesn't matter when you have that player like Erling Haaland. And Arsenal, we did not sign players like that, you know. I think Declan Rice is a superb signing. But apart from this, sometimes I really question it. Like, I, I'm a big Kai Havertz fan, by the way. But $60 million on him, and even for that matter, $30 million on David Raya, when we don't have a proper Martinelli or Saka backup and a proper um, midfielder to like progress the ball, which are big issues... I, w- I want to get your thoughts on this, Chidi. Like, did we mess up the transfer window... And they rebuild a bit because I personally think, in hindsight, I would have done things differently. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with everything you said. I think, um, like the efficiency thing we said with Man City, like even not even just Haaland, Junior Alvarez is literally, Julian Alvarez is literally the most clinical, one of the most clinical players I've seen. Like, literally, one touch out of his feet, bang, it's in the goal. Like, you saw the goal he scored against Newcastle. Ridiculous yeah. finish. And even and his then, passing is so efficient. Like he's precise. Yeah, literally. And I feel like they're just we we need to pack our team full of these precision sort of like ruthless players who I feel like as you say the the players that we've bought they're exactly what they said on the tin. Gabriel Jesus, great player, great on the ball. He can dribble well. He'll create chaos. He does all these things. 
poor finisher, inconsistent finisher, he's gonna he's gonna let you down in big games because that's just how he is. He's not been anything different to what he was at Man City, except that it's on a larger, uh, a bigger stage at Arsenal. Of course, he's like the main man and he's a striker enough for Arsenal. Same with Zinchenko. He's he's been the same player, always great on the ball. You can always rely on him. You can bring him on in a game and he's going to change the game with his on the ball like abilities and everything. But you, he's not going to be the guy you want to start 30, 35 games in the Premier League season because you know he can be got at at certain games. He's not really got the engine to play that many sort of games, the injuries as well. So it's sort of like none of the players that we've signed have surprised us in that sense. Like, oh, they shouldn't have surprised us if you've been watching football. Like, these, they're literally what they've been being advertised. And the same yep. with Havertz as we brought in. Like, I don't know what we thought would change from him coming. Okay, yes, Chelsea are a bit of a, like, a, um, they, they, they ruin players. Of course, Chelsea do ruin some players. But I just feel like there are some stuff that you can tell is just off with Kai Havertz from when you're watching him, just in terms of the on-ball abilities was just not there. You could just tell, even from his first season at Chelsea, like, it was, he was just not what they said he was. Like, he, he he's not a technical player. Like, I know he, he has the uh, appearance of a, a real technician, someone who's going to wow the fans with, like, you know, technical brilliance. And yes, he can do a few good touches, but he can't, you can't give him the ball and tell him to, like, make something happen. He is the most safe, conservative passer like I've ever seen playing in midfield at Arsenal. Like maybe apart from El Nenny, but he played at a CDM and that's a different position. If you want someone in your eight slot, think of the players that we've had as as eight slash tens: Fabregas, Nazri, Wilshire, Rosicky. Like you can go on and on and on. That's the standard at Arsenal of an Arsenal midfielder in an attacking role. And in terms of being able to get the ball, in terms of being able to drive with it, create but inventive and then you come to Kai Havertz like how can you go it's not Arsenal heritage to play a player like Kai Havertz in the midfield so it's just like why was that the solution to trying to upgrade on Xhaka and yes Xhaka was a big miss but I don't think it was irreplaceable there were players out there we could have got I mean even McAllister say I think if you wanted someone who could play more of like a you know more of a sit-in sort of role in the midfield but like play alongside Rice you know, um, be more of a like controller type eight rather than someone who's going to crash the box. But like, you see how good he is on the ball, and you, at least you know you can give McAllister a hundred touches of the ball, yeah. and you he'll always he'll keep the ball moving. He can do stuff, and he can create, and he can score a few goals as well. At least you know he's going to give you that. And so, like, there are players out there. I mean, Sobersly a different profile, but again, very good on the ball, very hard working. I feel like left center mid was probably one of the easiest profiles to recruit for. I so think. many, yeah. I, I think there's so many options out there in European football. So how can you think that Kai Havertz for 65 million was the best option for that position? I, I just don't get it. And yes, if you say he came to play striker, but he's not that great a striker either. So what was the point of him, really? I don't want to get onto him, but I just don't see what the vision was for him. Because my thing with Kai Havertz as well is that you could say, okay, he's going to like crash the box. He's going to be good physically. He's going to get on the end of chances. But he's not even efficient. So what's the point of that? Like, he's not going to... At least if you're going to play someone like that, at least let them be someone who's going to kill... He's going to kill teams with their finishing. He's going to kill teams with their final ball. 
at least, yeah, maybe he's not going to be good on the ball, like possession wise. He'll have 20 touches a game, but the touches he'll get, he's going to score. But do you expect Kai Havertz to score? Like the chance he got in, uh, against Spurs, where he got it edge of the box. Yes, it's not the easiest chance, but that's what you bought him for, isn't it? Edge of the box, on the half volley, let's pr- put it on target. Mm-hmm. It, it goes 35 yards wide. Like it's, it's just like, What's the point of him being there if he's not going to have any confidence to get on the ball and he's not going to finish either? So, honestly, like, I, I just can't get behind the signing and I just don't think I, I don't think it's going to work out. Um, mm-hmm. I think Arteta has galaxy brained it a bit, as he said, and I think he's just tried to do something but too clever in a way, whereas he could have just gone for a safe, dependable option and just mm-hmm. improved us incrementally and got us better than last season. So, yeah. Uh, I think we, we have screwed up. Yeah, I, I partly agree with your point on Havertz, like about him not being a midfielder and not filling in and doing what we want from that position. But I also think in those few minutes he went down the middle. I thought he played well, like against PSV as well, the last 20 minutes, Manchester City in the Community Shield. And there were a couple of games where to close out the game, he was moved down the middle. And he seems to give us something different to our other players, which is you're playing long ball, he's able to collect it, he's winning quite a few balls in the air. Now, the thing is, around his finishing, like, I watched him a lot at Leverkusen, and I know people are going to say it's Bundesliga tax. We'll go watch Jaden Sancho when he was at Dortmund, he was cooking and all of that. But I think somewhere down the line, Kai Havertz is a victim of Chelsea Football Club. Like, Honestly, that club has been a deathbed for every talent. Like, look at Moises Caicedo right now. Doesn't even look like a footballer. And mm. sometimes I think that Chelsea have destroyed all the joy in Kai Havertz's <laughs> like, football. And you can see he's playing a bit sad, you know. He's probably thinking about CFC Mod abusing him on Twitter when he's playing still. And to be honest, though, I think Arteta thinks he can revive the player that was there at Leverkusen. And at Leverkusen, I I don't get it, honestly. Like, what you said is totally spot on. Like, his passing, like, the way he played it back against, it was Fulham. Yeah, he played, it it was a clear chance for him to turn and pick a pass, but he went back. He was not like that at Leverkusen. That's the thing, you know. And when Kai Havertz first burst onto the scene, I know he was a teenager then, people used to compare him to Ozil and Delhi Ali because... He was passing really good. And you saw as well the winner that he assisted uh, in Germany's recent win against France. He can't pick a pass. I don't know. Somewhere he's not doing it. And he seems to be playing the game at a much slower tempo. And there are games he's been exceptional. Like the Champions League final, the biggest game probably in his career for Chelsea. Not only did he score the goal, he was immense that game. Like linking it up, moving, causing all sorts of problems. So I think there is a player there, but I think the way Arteta is using him in that LCM spot, it's not working, you know. And I think that LCM spot is a bit of a deathbed for pure attacking midfielders. Like, no one seems to work there unless you're like a pure eight. And if you're someone like Vieira, who's also been a bit inconsistent in that role, even Havertz. I think maybe if you want to get the best of Havertz, you might have to move him to the other side, to the right-hand side with Saka potentially. But no, I agree with you. In terms of an appropriation of funds, we probably could have spent that money better. And I'm saying this as someone who thinks Havertz will come good, 
I agree on that. Like maybe we could have gone with a safer bet. I, I'm not sure why we're so obsessed with the whole playing two tens thing. Like I don't know why we're like avoiding playing like or buying a mid actual midfielder like a, even like a proper eight slash box of box just sort of an actual midfielder who can play all three phases of midfield who can actually just slot in that position and then that will also mean that Erdegaard won't have to do so much of the controlling aspects of things you can actually get him <laughs> creating chances and playing in like the final third more um, but I, I don't know what, why, like, it's always he's always tried to play it, like, even before where we tried to play was it Smith Rowe and and Erdegaards? We played, tried to play another like, twin yeah. eights with party behind, and it's just like, I, I just we, we haven't got De Bruyne and David Silva, like, you need to have De Bruyne and David Silva with like Rodri behind them or Fernandinho yeah. behind them for it to really work because those players are just so good. And athletic as well. Like you see how athletic the Bruiner is. We haven't got the Bruiner. Like the Bruiner brushes off attackers, uh, the midfielders. Like mm-hmm. he can drive through the midfield like 15, 20 yards, and he'll put in work defensively as well because he has he is like he's not a feather, he's not a lightweight, like a feather. Like he is mm-hmm. actually someone who can just be in the midfield, um, even though he's not he's a 10 in a sense, he can play as a proper eight because of his physical build. And mm-hmm. like we just we're trying to force it with players where it's just not really their game. Yeah. Like yeah. like Vieira, he's not like he's a great player, but an, as an eight in this sort of team, like I don't see it. And the yeah. same with Havertz as well. He's more of a he's a second striker rather yeah. than a an actual centre mid. So I don't know. It's, it seems like Arteta's real like wished to try and do it, and like that's his sort of end goal. I feel, but I don't see why it needs to be his end goal, honestly. Mm-hmm. And I think this is why we're so open in midfield as well. Like the number of last-ditch tackles that Saliba has had to make over the season because of our midfield getting run over is actually crazy, you know. And yeah, we're just abusing Saliba basically. And I think you're totally right. We need more balance in the midfield. And you mentioned as well, like Arsenal heritage managed to have players who can carry the ball, like right from Abu Dhabi in 2008. Like he used to just. Russia side players, Song, Wilshire, Kazorla, Rosiski, Nazri, all of these players, they, they could just glide and get past players. But it seems like all of our players, they're good on the ball, they're good passers. But I don't think just relying on combination play is enough. Like, I think at some point, you're going to need a bit of that extra quality. And that's why, Sham, I want to ask you again, like, did we spend that money perfectly well? Or do you no. think we... No, probably not. I mean, look, I I try to be an optimist on Havertz, but I, you know, you can't look at how things are going on that front right now and think to yourself, mm-hmm. this this was the plan, right? Um, I personally think that we went and signed Havertz without having the infrastructure in place. You know, I, I think you need to sign Havertz and put him on a team where, again, he has someone who he can play off of, right? His best days at Chelsea, he was playing off of Lukaku, right? And so at the time, yeah. you know, I, I think the the plan made sense to an extent because you were bringing him in as a second striker who was going to play as that left center mid, but he was going to get into the box, right? And then combine with whoever was playing center forward. And, you know, he would be an option for Saka to make these 
um, back post crosses and head the ball in like he used to do with Aubameyang. But that center forward never showed up, right? It's I, I think Jesus can maybe play that role, but in addition to that, I mean, we, we, we've we seen like five or six games of this now, and Kedia can't do it with Havertz, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and Kedia is just not that facilitative of a player. So when we went and signed Raya and we, you know, moved around the deal so that we only had to pay three million pounds this summer and then the other 27 when we made the deal permanent next year, I I found myself thinking, okay, well, we're either going to sign someone to come in for timber or someone to come in and be another option at left eight. And we we did neither, which was immensely disappointing for me. So, you know, it just um it just makes me wonder what we're gonna do at left center mid, because I don't think we can keep rolling Havertz out at left center mid with anybody and, and expect it to work at this point. So, you know. Maybe we try him with Jesus for a few games, you know, as soon as Jesus gets up to 100% fitness, because I do still think they're being careful with him. We'd see how that works. Otherwise, you can play Vieira there. I think Vieira functions really well with two runners in front of him, like Martinelli and Kedia. Um, Smith Rowe, I really think, should be considered more than he has been. Um, I even find myself wondering sometimes about playing Tomiyasu at left back and then playing Zinchenko as the left eight. I don't think we're ever going to do that, but that's something I think about. Um, yeah, it's it, it it's worrying because I do think that's the main issue for our creative problems. And we just seem to have, instead of solving the problem, just created an additional problem to solve. Yeah. So... Yeah, it's um, it's it's really frustrating, and um, you know, I don't obviously it wasn't the best use of sixty-five million pounds. I think we should have gone out there and you know gotten a Madison or gotten a, pa- a Pakata or you know a Zabojlai or McAllister, right? L- look at how many players you know we've like you like you guys said that we've had in yeah. that position. Yeah, it's um, you know, I I don't want to. I I think we'll figure it out with Havertz whether that means we do something at left center mid to make him more effective or whether that means just playing him at center forward, um, which I do think apparently Havertz doesn't like to play as a forward. I, I, I think if that's going to work, then you have to do that. So um, yeah, we'll see what happens there, but it's um, it, it's, it's been disappointing so far. No, for sure. For sure. And <clears throat> yeah, I mean, obviously fans are pissed with Havertz, but as you guys mentioned, I think the bigger picture is we should have just gone. So if we had gone out there and, say, bought one of these eights, Nunes or McAllister, and then you have Havertz as well, I think people would probably not be so angry at Havertz because you're like, yeah, he's a guy who can settle it. The problem is you've just thrown him straight into the team and you're asking him to do what Shaka did last season when he's not played this role ever. I think that, that was a big ask. And I think Arteta has looked at it on paper. It's a nice idea. But in reality, it just doesn't work. And I completely agree with your point. And as well, Chidi's point on just keeping it simple. Let's just play an 8 where an 8 should play. Let's play a 10. And let's play a good holding midfielder. This dual 10s thing, yeah, we don't have a player like Silva or De Bruyne. And I, I think definitely that we... Should just stick to the basics. What do you think, Sham? I I was just gonna say it. It makes me more furious with Arteta and Edu because I think one of our main issues last season was that we were reliant on Party staying fit 
to be effective. And mm-hmm. we're still reliant on party staying fit to be effective because without par- our best midfield is party at six and Odegaard at right, right center mid and rice at left center mid. And without party, we don't really have a complete option at left center mid. So now we're, you know, we're still beholden to a guy who's proven time and time again, that he cannot stay fit for extended periods of time. So yeah, it's a- again, just, you know, yeah, really, really inefficient use of the transfer window in that way. Yeah, and it's like four straight seasons where Thomas Partey, he's injured when we need him and we lose points the moment he's injured. But I'm quite interested to see if Arteta actually plays the midfield you said is our best midfield, Partey, Rice, Odegaard. Because when he had the chance to do it at the start of the season, he he did it against Man City in that one game, which is understandable considering it's City. But for the other games, he's preferred Rice at six over Partey, who's was playing at right back, you know, and I felt quite bad for him because as it is, this guy has hamstrings made of glass and they're asking him to chase some of these Premier League wide players like SA and all these guys up and down the flanks. And we saw as well with Elanga uh, against Forest, where he just ran the full length of the pitch and played it to Avoni. So, like, I didn't get the way we used Thomas Partey either. And in general, I've been a bit disappointed personally with the way Arteta has set us up this season sticking with Eddie for all the matches as well. So, not been so happy on that so far. Do you agree with that, Chidi? Like, do you think Mikel himself has been a bit underwhelming? I just think he's doing too much. Like, I know, yes, we need to have different ways of playing and we need to try because last season we sort of got found out in a sense and, like, the (laughs) same way we are playing wasn't quite working. But, like... There's finding different ways of playing and then there's just like going completely off the rails and trying stuff that it just just doesn't make logical sense. Like, why mm-hmm. would you put someone, as you say, with party? Like, he hasn't got the legs to play as a right back anymore. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like you see, he's had a lot of injuries. He's not as quick as he used to be. And like, you don't want him to be in a play in a position where he's twisted and turning and doing all these sort of things. And like, you want him to be in the midfield, getting on the ball, at least when you have Rice there with him, like he hasn't got as much of a load in terms of actually tra- having to track back and run l- long distances in the fence. But like you still have one him playing in the midfield, like helping us with our progression. I think we are missing him in the midfield in terms of our creativity as well, because he can mm-hmm. pick a pass out that not even Rice can pick out. Let's be real. Like he is like one of the best at breaking the lines and that sort of thing. So I think, yeah, that's like stuff like that and dropping Gabriel and. Like, he, like, really went out of his way to not play Gabriel for, like, three, four games. And it's like, I get, what, why are you tr- what why are you trying to do these different things that are just... I, I, it's like, yeah, I'm tr- I, I understand why, but it's like, I don't understand what he's trying to do. Like, I understand <laughs> why he's trying to switch up, but I don't, under- I don't understand what he's doing with the switching up, basically. But yeah. he knows more than me, of course, so I can't say too much, but... I, I, I don't agree with certain things he's done this season. Mm-hmm. Also, another thing with the with the transfer window, I think we we messed up by not getting a proper speedster. We lack complete speed completely. If you think Pedro about it, without Neto. Martinelli, without Martin, yeah, Pedro Neto would be great. But if we without Martinelli, we have no speed in the attack. Like yep. Saka, he's not rapid like that mm-hmm. Jesus he's not rapid Eddie's not rapid 
Nelson, not rapid. Trossard, not rapid. Like, you haven't got anyone who's going to stretch the defence. And that's why, like, I didn't really like Jesus at left wing because when you have Saka on the right-hand side, you need to have a runner on the left-hand side. So mm-hmm. you can play those diagonals. You know, Saka picks it up, drives in the middle, cuts it and plays a diagonal to Martinelli. You need someone who's going to be running in behind and stretching mm-hmm. the fence because you don't want to have two... I feel like Jesus is probably more of a Saka backup in that sense because he is sort of more of a, a combination sort of player, someone who's going to use their intelligence and their dribbling, but not going to stretch defenders like that with pace. And I just don't think we just don't have another player like that in the squad. Like, I know we were linked to maybe Musa Diaby at some point. He went mm-hmm. to Villa. He's been great this season. But like, out of, out of that, like, we've not, it's not like we've really tried to get that proper speedster in. Um, that we were trying to get with Mudrick, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, at that point. And I feel like we really, like, miss it this season. I think it's going to really hurt us. I mean, you see how Doku has made such a big impact, like, speed, trickery, like, someone who's just a bit unpredictable. Mm-hmm. We, we, I think we're lacking that profile. So uh, that's, the, that's the other hole I think we have in our squad, apart from the ones you mentioned already. Absolutely. Yeah, you spoke about us lacking midfielders who are not great on the ball in terms of beating their man. And I think that's sort of the case even for white players, the explosiveness. And I think it all comes down to this. Like, we can't pass our way out of every single game. You need some moments of brilliance. And that's something that we haven't had. But it's already been an hour and 20 minutes. I can't believe it. I've had so much fun chatting about the North London derby and all the discourse post that with you guys. And I feel a lot better because I had to get some things off my chest. But my final question to you guys, I'll start with you, Sham. Where do you think Arsenal are finishing this season? That's the first question. Second of all, what constitutes a good season in your opinion? Uh, I think we're going to finish second or third. And if we finish third, I think it's because Liverpool, you know, maintain Mm. what they're doing over the course of the season. Um. Yeah, I mean, City City um, are frustratingly still good without Holland and without Gunduan. We'll see what happens without Rodri. I think I think three matches of no Rodri will be interesting for them, but uh, especially because we get to play them. Uh, but we also um, have injuries. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, although they're you know I think um, you know Mokbel and Cross both reported mm. that you know party what. Party's iffy, but, you know, Rice and Martinelli and Trussard are expected back by the City game, which is nice. Honestly, do not play Rice until the City game. Maybe maybe give him, like, the last 30 minutes of, you know, Champions League before that. But do not play Rice until the City game, because we need him that game. Um, Yeah, but I I think City are, you know, just unstoppable right now. Honestly, I think they're going to need a lot of things to go against them. And um, we clearly have, I think, gone down a path that is going to require some time to bear some fruit, right? I think I think we all expected from last season us to just go find the finishing pieces. And based on what I've seen this you know first two months, basically, I I think Arteta and Edu have decided to take a different route and just, you know, do something in terms in, in like a long term way to like you know. I'm not make sure us, if it's yeah. by design though. I think it's just 
I hope I hope it's by design because otherwise, you know, this yeah. is this is immensely infuriating. But I, I think I think they've made a calculated decision that is just going to take some time to bear out, which might mean we're not as competitive this season as we want to be. Um, but yeah, I think we finished second or third, um, and I think we have a really good showing in the Champions League. I still feel pretty good about that. But in terms of what is required for us to have a good season. I, I think during the Pep Guardiola City era, I think that just means being competitive, right? Mm-hmm. If we if we finish fourth or fifth and we go out of the Champions League in the round of 16, that's a failure of a season, right? But if we finish second, if we finish third, you know, one, like a point behind second or something, um, and we get to the semifinals of the Champions League, I can live with that a little bit better. So um, I, I think the context around how we finish the season is going to be really important. But if we're just shooting ourselves in the foot over and over throughout the course of the season and making stupid decisions and our our big money transfer signings don't pan out, then, you know, that's something that has to be taken into account as well. Yep. Yeah, no, could not agree more. <clears throat> I think personally, I, I cannot see, like, I think the strategy for Arsenal was to win right now. Like I don't think you invest hundred million on a player, or two fifty or spend like two forty million in total in transfer fees, <clears throat> unless you want to win right now. And it's not like they're signing like nineteen year olds or something. Like someone like Kai Havertz has a lot of experience. Declan Rice has a lot of experience. Timber as well. We're signing young players with good experience. They've all been leaders in the clubs they came from. So I think we did want to bridge the gap with City. Uh, whether we win it or not is a different story, obviously, because they're so good. But unfortunately, based on the evidence we've seen so far, I don't think the gap is getting nearer. I think it's drifting even more because, as Chidi mentioned, City have brought in Doku, who's taken them to another level. Because Grealish, he, I'm a fan of Grealish. He retains the ball well. But he does this signature thing of he holds on to the ball and cuts it inside. But this Doku guy, he's just ripping apart the fullback and causing chaos. That was one thing that City were maybe lacking, but out wide you could contain them a bit because they were a bit, like they didn't have that explosiveness. Suddenly they got this guy in and they have another dimension again. So from Arsenal's point of view, I think we got a player like Declan Rice. So I think he's going to be a legend at the club. I think he's going to be a top player for the years to come. But apart from that, Timber's obviously been injured. Howard's, in my view, is not being used correctly. So that's not worked out either. And Raya is still like early days. So ultimately, when you have only like one signing who has clicked in the summer, when you have spent 240 million, yeah, there's more question marks. And if I say this on Twitter, I'm going to get 500 court tweets saying that I'm negative and I'm this and toxic and all of that. But I think this is the reality, Chidi. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. Like, I think this was the season to push and be like, okay. Let's show that last season wasn't a fluke. Let's show that we're still up there and we're still going to be fighting for the title again. And yeah, like, uh, like I think, yeah, Shams, I actually, I, I agree. Like, the Havertz signing does seem like it's a long-term thing. That's what, that's the only way I can justify it in my mind. I just don't agree why we go for that. Like, for, it's just, it, it's, it's a sort of signing that you make when, you know, you've won a couple of titles already, you want to try something like, you know, just to like, oh, let's see if I can like do something. You're a bit bored, maybe. You just try something out. It doesn't seem like a, a signing you make 
to try and win your first title. Like, yeah. why would you go for someone who's struggled so, so much and is in the Premier League as well and, like, he's not shown that he can... Like, if he's playing... If he's if this player who's playing for a 12th place team and struggling for a 12th place team, let's forget it's Chelsea. Let's pretend it was, like, someone who was struggling for Palace. Would you sign them for 65 million? No. And, like, yes, okay, yes, it's different. It's Chelsea. He played Champions League, blah, blah, blah. But that's just the reality of the situation. We signed someone who was struggling for a mid-table team and expected him to, to propel us to, title, to title challenges. Or title winners, sorry. And it's just, a, it's just a very, very, very weird one that, honestly, if it doesn't work out, he's got to be held accountable for it because it's unnecessary, that sort of risk. I really hope it does work out, but, like, early signs are not looking good. But I'll, I'll give him time. We have to give him time because what else can we do? Like, yeah, we have to just hope that it, come, it comes good. But, um, yeah, honestly, <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not, like, <laughs> I'm not... Um, Expecting big things from him, honestly. But um, yeah, answering your question about what's a good season, I, I think I agree with um, <laughs> the comment that's killing me. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I agree. And this week with... in Arsenal, we feature all kinds of comments. Whether you abuse exactly. us or you manage <laughs> anyone, please. Feel free. <laughs> yeah, um, and I think um, a good season is. I think we have to be at least around the point tally we were last season. So, like, mm-hmm. if we get around, like, 85 points again this season, I think at least we've shown that we still maintain the level and we can still get to another dimension. So, I think getting around 85 points, whether that puts us in first, second, third, like, I'm fine with that. Um, and then also in the Cups, I think we have to win a Cup this season. Like, 100%. Yeah. I yeah, think it's been... This, this, this crop, of course, we had the community shield, but like I feel like we need a proper trophy with this crop of players because yeah. the last trophy, that was a complete different set of players. I mean, it's wild it's wild because it's only three years ago, but it's a yeah. completely different set. Like, none of the players who started in that game are, are at the club anymore. Yeah, no, yeah. none of them are at the club. No, no. <clears throat> yeah, because Jack has gone and Tierney's gone as well and Holden's gone. Yeah, so they're, all, they're all not, none of them are at the club anymore. So it's sort of like, it is not even the, that's not our team that won the te- that won a trophy. So this no. pro- this current crop needs to show them show us that they can go through rounds of competition, quarterfinals, semifinals, final, go to Wembley and sh- do a job. So I feel like that's a real big target for us. Yep. I don't yep. mind Carabao Cup, FA Cup. I don't mind either way. Um, FA Cup obviously would be ideal, but either trophy I want to win one of those. And mm-hmm. then yeah, the Champions League. I think. Getting to the quarterfinals is at least a step because I think we mm-hmm. haven't done that since 2010. Mm-hmm. So it's like even to win one knockout round is a big step forward, I think. So yep. I think quarterfinals in Champions League, 85 points and a trophy, and I'll be happy with that. Yep. Can I um come back in? Because I want to clarify something I said because uh, uh, I guess we have someone in the comments taking issue with it. I, I think... What the signings tell me from this summer is that Arteta and Edu and the Cronkies have identified a different window to attack to attack City than we have, right? I think a lot of us think that the window to capitalize and beat City to trophies is right now. But I think Arsenal watched last season and watched City win a treble, and they kind of thought to themselves, 
I think we have a couple more years of City being absolutely dominant, right? And this might not be true, but I, I think they watch City win the treble and are operating as if that's the beginning of maybe a couple years dynasty. And, you know, we keep hearing these whispers about maybe Guardiola will leave next season. Maybe the FA will poach him to hopefully replace Gareth Southgate, right? So I, I think we're operating, you know, as if in a couple years time, either Guardiola leaves or they have to recycle the entire team. And there's a bit of an opportunity to properly attack the Premier League, properly attack the Champions League. So I think we've made signings because again, I don't think Havertz is a guy that you sign unless you have a proper backboard striker to play off of. And we don't have that guy right now. So Havertz especially seems to me like a guy either we've completely misprofiled or, and you know, maybe that's possible, but either a guy we've completely misprofiled or a guy that we've signed with another future signing in mind. We'll see which one it is. I don't know which one it is. I'm hoping it's the latter, but yeah, so I just think we've identified a different window to actually, you know, build on and properly mount a challenge for, you know, the big trophies. And anything that happens between now and then, if we win the Premier League this season or next season, or if we win the Champions League this season or next season, I think those are bonuses. So um, hopefully I'm wrong and hopefully everything comes together and we win now. But yeah, I think that was kind of my takeaway from this transfer window. and from how we've looked at the beginning mm -hmm. of the season. I think the place I would agree with you is like, I partly agree because coming to think of it, Xhaka and Party have essentially been moved on from, and they were very reliable last season when they played together, like 84 points. And they were like the mainstays in that midfield. <clears throat> and for Arteta to say, no, I'm moving on from both of you and changing everything. I think he would have known that there would have been some short-term consequence to doing that, you know? And I know Chidi said that Shaka is not irreplaceable, and I agree with that. But I still think that when you're moving on from players like Shaka, Party, who've been at the club for three years, who are used to the way we play, just moving on from them, I think it would have had an effect even if we signed someone else. But maybe the, we would have suffered lesser if we had McAllister in that eighth role as opposed to not having any player of that profile. So I think that's what I guess the mistake is. But mm -hmm. as Sham said, it'll be interesting to see how we evolve the team in, this, in the subsequent transfer windows. Um, if you get someone like Victor Osimhen in or Ivan Tony, and then you see how it starts to click, maybe we set up a different way. Maybe then you can make more sense uh, of how we want to use him because obviously right now uh, it's not working. So I'm quite intrigued to see how this all plays out. Um, I personally think that um, we obviously have this comment that nobody disrupts a functional system to go on a different route. Arteta shit at management. He overachieved when everyone was horrendous. <laughs> I think... <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's, that's one school of thought. Let's put it that way. And then there's also the other school of thought, which is like, don't you dare question Mikel Arteta. Don't you dare question any of the players. Like I saw a tweet from someone I shall not name, who said today that, why are fans criticizing Odegaard? They're so ungrateful. I'm like, shut up. Like, if he has a bad game, just call it out. If he plays well, we're all praising him. And that's how it should be, you know? And 
I think even he had sixty percent passing accuracy. Why would we not criticize him for that? Exactly. We mock In Bruno Fernandes. Yeah, <laughs> the worst time. Yeah, it's, it's disgrace exactly. of the game. Honestly, like it will, it will take me a couple of weeks to go over it. If he doesn't, like honestly, I, I'm not even gonna be impressed if he scores against Bournemouth. Like I want to see a performance against Man City for me yeah. to forgive him for that because that is shocking. Honestly, he's he's a phenomenal player, but like, yeah, those are the standards that you have to be held to at that point. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And so, we have different schools of thought. Somewhere, Arteta is never wrong, somewhere, Arteta is always wrong. And I think to sum it all up, I think the answer is somewhere in between. And we've been trying to search for that answer on this podcast. And hopefully, to all the listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Hopefully, we have managed to answer some of the doubts that you might have had in your mind. But what I can say for sure is from my point of view, I've vented out whatever I have to say and my head is clearer and I can approach the week with uh, more clarity. So on that note, thank you so much, Chidi, for joining us, for giving us over an hour and a half of your precious time on a Monday evening. It's been a real pleasure to do the podcast with you and Sham. Wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Wouldn't want to be anywhere else, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, we'd love to have you on as well in the future. If you're ever up for it, please join us. And I think we had a lot of listeners who also commented. And thank you guys for your comments, good or bad, whether you abused us or not. But whatever it is, Chidi, you have love from everyone, man. People who support <laughs> Arthur, people who are against Arthur. And yeah, I think you have to teach us how to, you know, play both sides. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> But no, on that note, thank you guys for tuning in. You can follow Chidi at Chidi AFC. You can follow Sham at Shamsdale on Twitter. You can follow me at LT Arsenal. And you can follow the podcast at This Week in Arsenal on Twitter. And uh, don't forget to leave a sub if you like this. We'd really appreciate it. We're a young YouTube channel that's trying to grow. And hopefully we can bring you more illustrious guests like Chidi uh, in the upcoming episodes as well. So until then... Stay tuned, take care, and have a great rest of the week, guys. Take care. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you.